0: Hi, I'm Joe, and I'm Dave, and we're the hosts of the Chasing Tomorrow podcast, where we bring you stories that delve into the science and spirit behind intriguing people
1: doing extraordinary things. Welcome to the Chasing Tomorrow podcast. This week is episode 68. This week, we have the voice of Backyard with us, Stephanie Gillis-Paul now, if you were watching the last year's Biggs Backyard, the satellite edition, where there were races in over 20 countries all over the world, um, America, you know, Canada, everywhere, uh, you would have heard Stephanie's voice for, what, 75 hours, and she's doing it again. Stephanie Gills-Polgard is going to be the voice of backyard racing this next week at Biggs Backyard down in Bellbuckle, Tennessee, standing alongside Laz. And she's going to be talking just as long as all of the runners are going to be running. Hopefully, you know, 60, 80, 100, 120 hours. And we're going to see who drops dead first, Stephanie or the runners. Uh, Stephanie is also an ultra marathoner, a mother of two. Uh, She's one of the founders of the Quarantine Backyard Ultra that was happening at the very beginning of this whole pandemic mess. Welcome to the Chasing Tomorrow podcast, Stephanie.
2: Thank you so much for being here. You've already scared me at the thought of 60, 80, and possibly triple digits uh, in uh, Bell
1: I, I hope you're banking some sleep.
2: I'm starting tonight. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I say that's possible, but I don't believe it for a minute. Uh, Stephanie, thanks for being on. You know, to our uh, listeners, um, taking uh, sort of a little bit of a diversion here from just the uh, the pure athlete and into sort of the multi-purpose athlete with Stephanie, um, you know, what we've been sort of building up to here a little bit is, you know, in a couple of weeks we got, you know, what would be, you know, no pun intended, the biggest of big ultra races this year. I mean, we love, you know, UTMB and we love Western States and all the other races, but there's something When you're able to assemble almost like the Olympics, you know, 75 of the best athletes in the world who have all had to, you know, sort of work their way here. And they're going to be in Tennessee, um, you know, friendly, um, really tough, hard competition. So since you're going to be integral to that and, and doing a lot of storytelling, we thought it'd be really good for everyone to get to know you a little better. And then we'll sort of maybe transition a little bit into maybe this is a moment that we all will remember for what it does to the ultra sport. You know, mm-hmm. it was some number of years ago when snowboarding got its sort of moment and, mm-hmm. you know, it grew out of, uh, you know, Olympic fame and then, you know, you get surfing and other sports that just little by little have, you know, come into more of the sort of the common consciousness of people and communities around the world and you know the ultra running stuff uh while at one level you know this race is quite repetitive it has such a drama built in that it, it's hard to imagine a sport that might be more intriguing um so anyway so that's sort of the thesis and having you on so it's mm-hmm. a real pleasure and we'll be able to look back and maybe even laugh at how um articulate you'll probably be tonight versus <laughs> later on when it's cold and pouring rain and you're tired and you don't feel like talking anymore but you know
2: isn't that true right um my my two boys two teenage boys the husband were probably still waiting for that day when i will stop talking um and it might happen in Bell Buckle, tennessee you just yeah, never you know yeah <laughs>
1: so,
0: so tell tell our listeners just a little bit more about you you know this is an interesting like if we asked you i don't know we'll call it 17 years ago stephanie would you imagine <laughs> This is what you'd be doing on any level. I'm not sure. No. Is there?
2: No. I mean, you know, uh, from a comms, PR, public relations, marketing standpoint, yeah, I've been doing it for over 20 years. Oh God, I've really dated myself. But, you know, from an entrepreneurial side, started up a business six and a half years ago. So pre-COVID, just wanted to break loose, do my own thing. I'm so grateful for the opportunities that I've had in those, you know, five-ish years leading up to COVID, you know, you you fast forward and you go, oh, all right, April, 2020. Who knew when we were preparing for a Trans-Canadian record, an event that was to span, you know, a couple of months over with uh, Mr. Proctor here, and that got shut down because of COVID, we thought, well, hey, let's try something fun. And in two weeks, um, as Dave alluded to in the intro, you know, the Quarantine Backyard Ultra was formed. We had no idea what it was going to be, if it could be anything. Um, Dave, with his deep Rolodex, was able to reach out um, to a lot of the ultra runners who would have been, you know, a part of bigs, have done backyards before or contemplated doing a backyard. And, then this thing called Zoom um, ended up being our friend. You know, you did that once, it worked. Um, you know, famously. Uh, we we got some really good media coverage through all of that. Did it again a couple of months later, and then it was, you know, Laz being our honorary uh race director back when we did a quarantine uh outrun Backyard Ultra in 2019, coming to Canada doing all of that. We made him our honorary race director for the quarantine, and he sat and he watched and and uh, commentated along the way. So when Biggs was to be held in 2020, he knew that it couldn't happen the way it should, right, head-to-head competition. We had demonstrated, uh, you know, a few friends of us, you know, like we got together and we're like, okay, we can do it. So Laz approached us and said, well, like, what do you think? Can you do it at this scale? So it just was progressively getting to be this bigger thing. And now you look, since our first attempt at a virtual race, how many virtual races have been had since about April of 2020. Now people are back to starting lines, you know, and seeing all of that unfold and, but still the updates, people are tuning in to watch this really unique concept of the backyard.
1: And so Stephanie, when, you know, I'm sure that you and and uh, your family and 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 really you know half of North of all North Americans out there have, have sat down and watched the Barclay Marathons where you saw this, you know, Shane smoking hillbilly in the woods, you know, making people do outlandish things. Um did you ever wonder, did you ever think every one day, hey, you know what, Laz is going to be calling upon me to, to help him out with, with comms, with um, with being an announcer, with being a host. Yeah. Um, and how does that feel?
2: It, it's actually, you know, it's so funny because I can tell you, I knew of the Barclay Marathons. I knew of this guy called Laz Lake, Lazarus Lake. Um, didn't even know what his real name was, Gary Cantrell, if anybody's interested. Um, but that was the thing, it was like, I was a fan girl because it was like, this guy comes up with so many unique races, like who who does that? And so when we decided to do the first uh, backyard here in Alberta, Canada, it, it seemed natural that we would ask the guy who created it to come and be. And so that was the first time I had physically met him and you know if you think I can talk a lot the man has stories for days and and we just connected on that storytelling as well and just I have an admiration for what he's been able to do and and such a community that he's built with this grassroots notion so we kept in touch and then the quarantine backyard ultra happened and it was natural and Um, You know, you never know what he's going to send me in a text. I've got his recipe for liver and onions. If anybody wants it, um, I've got it. You know, and this is as he's helping. I know, right. He's like, this is what you need to do, Stephanie, when you're preparing for your 50 miler, eat the liver and onions, not the night before the race two nights before the race, just
0: oh, to be good sure. Advice good advice there. I've mm-hmm. Liver and onions for at least 25 years. But, um, <laughs> there you go. We're not sure that we'll be packaging that in a gel anytime soon. No. Uh, no. Yeah. You know, I think that the, you know, Stephanie, um, we've been doing this for a while. And we've talked to a lot of really interesting ultra runners and, you know, storytelling is, you know, what you're all about. Mm-hmm. And so we've met, you know, arguably equally as talented as in any sport through the process, whether it was Pete Kostelnik, Courtney DeWalter, of course, my co-host, Dave Proctor, and the list would just go on. I mean, it would, you know, I'd run out of time naming everyone. Um, and we've had, of course, non ultra but but the sport, you know, has sort of operated in, you know, sort of... <laughs> No pun intended, the backyard, right? You know, it's not been in the front yard. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean that then, you know, you got Laz naming this the backyard race format. Um, but I think that when you're in the middle of something, you sometimes miss what's happening. And it feels to me a little bit like, you know, there is this emergence of the ultra running sport into some prominence, you know, we do have, The likes of Courtney, you know, she was in the New York Times. And well, of course, she's delivered over and over again. You know, we there, Jim Walmsley, you know, going for the hundred mile record. And, you know, Hoka covered Mm -hmm. that on a live broadcast. You know, are we, I know there's some things that are going on, you can't tell exactly what's going to happen, but are we entering a new phase where we might be seeing a little more prominence? It starts with some commercial. Element and then would support the runners and participants even more.
2: Oh, I would, I would absolutely say so. We are right now at that tipping point of mm-hmm. we've been seeing it grow. I, I mean, just look, uh, and it goes back to you know personal branding and that storytelling component, but the sheer growth. And desire for people to lace up and try these things and really stretch themselves. When you start seeing people that can run for 75 hours, 80 hours, 68 hours, who knows what's going to happen in Bell Buckle this year? You know, it it's amazing the feats that they can do. You couple that athletic performance with. Now, again, we're coming out of COVID, a lot more people started buying running shoes and getting out there and walking and trying new things, getting this virtual social media, of course, you know, I'm from back in the day where it was all, you know, traditional media, right, it was the magazines and the newspapers and the radios and the TVs, great, but social media has exploded um, and are given our ability to showcase these athletes in such a way that is also getting noticed by those bigger brands right by those names that want to be attached and you know you hear the likes of, of being a brand ambassador but they're taking it another step for, forward and we didn't know what was going to happen last October we had no idea with a race that has no finish line you're like nobody's going to watch like you know we didn't we thought you know April was a one-off, everybody was like in lockdown. So, okay, people did it, paid attention, it was kind of fun. Did we mirror it again in July? Not to the extent, but then when you see that international flair and and somebody like Lazarus Lake that brings that out in people and athletes, now it's a bigger stage. And, And I have no doubt that, you know, when you think about the numbers from last year, there was over a million hits to the backyard website last year during that 75 Mm -hmm. hour race so and that was you know again back when it was like okay well like you know it was the event and I believe that we're going to see something very similar happen um you know starting October 16th
1: yeah and and Stephanie speak to as well too I I know in, in another conversation you and I were having you you mentioned a number and I forget exactly what it was but You know, how many backyard races have popped up uh, Mm. all over the world and and, and just how how easy they are to do, but really how everybody can have a different goal. If your furthest distance you've ever run was a half marathon, you know, you could show up and do, you know, four four hours and you beat it. five hours or six mm-hmm. hours or, or, you know, seven hours, even double the distance mm-hmm. that you've, you, you, know, you know, that you've, that you've run previously. Um, maybe, you know, explain how many races are around the world, roughly. I, I know it's almost impossible to mm-hmm. count.
0: Well, they're and, growing.
2: It's like, if, if the number is increasing on a weekly basis, we anticipate by the end of this year, there will be over 300 backyard races mm-hmm.
1: around the world. That's incredible. Mm-hmm. This time and Army.
2: Yeah, and that's exactly it Joe it's because the format it's so grassroots you don't need to be a race director with a a ton of experience, you know it's not like there's. aid stations every 5k when you've only got this much you need to do in one hour and it's a looped course it's Mm -hmm. much easier for people to be able to manage and let's not forget. You know, Big's backyard started in Laza's backyard, and that's why the world championships happen in his backyard. It's Mm -hmm. that easy. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, Dave and I talked to Keith Russell recently, the Irish champion, and his sort of enthusiasm for being invited to the world championship and coming over to the U.S. was palpable it was literally as if you had been selected to go to the olympics Right, it yep. had that same kind of like anticipation and feel and i don't know if we've ever witnessed anything like this but this guy gary cantrell he sort of um he put a flag it's almost as if he was a pioneer he put a flag in the ground and said this is my land and now i own it and he said this is the race and now everyone we, we know is genius that is cyber mm-hmm. but it's like with no commercial backing
1: mm-hmm. well,
0: it's a real interesting lesson for everyone listening which is this was just sheer for force of personality will intellect interest passion motivation to make it happen like he didn't get permission from you know mm-hmm. the international running body of blah 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 you know Nike didn't say, here's a million dollars, go start this race. Like the guy just literally decided, and now look what's happened. I think that's just another part of the story that's incredible. It shows what we can all do if we choose to do it.
2: Uh, I couldn't agree more. I mean, and look at, um, you know, they run a Facebook uh, group page, and there's over 19,000 people on that page. And those people, some of them are RDs that have started backyards all over the world. And you know, you, you monitor that and you see all of these people coming together in the community, right? If you're coming back to community and that storytelling, they're all going there. The first one popped up in Morocco. There had never been a backyard there before. <laughs> and I'm sure the list goes on and on and wow. on. You know, um, it's crazy to think that in, you know, not that long or a span of years to have almost 300 races internationally, affiliate races, and it's as simple as you want to run a backyard, you need to agree to follow these rules, Mm -hmm. right? And then here, we'll give you the blessing and you can go and have a backyard, Mm And that, I think, is what really opens it up to not just the people that can run 50, 60, 70, 80 hours, but we've seen it our, ourselves. You know, people that typically, you know, they've run half marathons or trained for a half marathon, and then they went and they ran 100 kilometers. Mm-hmm. Never thought it was possible. Didn't even have that goal in mind, but because of the way the concept was in the camaraderie and people being able to support these unique um. I, I don't know. Just the setup, it allows them to stretch their goals in ways that they never thought was possible.
1: When well, I think too, Stephanie, like you, you were speaking about the watershed moment earlier, and and maybe mm-hmm. that this is a relative tipping point. And you, you look at human history, and and different things come upon upon at different times for different moments. There's always a straw that breaks the camel's back. And we right now are, you know, maybe we're still at the beginning of this pandemic you know, let's, let's pray that that's not the case. But, you know, we're, the, we're right in the middle of a pandemic globally. Um, you know, here in Canada, we're in, we're in our fourth phase, and, and, and all over the world, they're in different phases. And people are just tired. And getting up every day, um, working from home, you know, homeschooling children. Um, you know, you're seeing, I, I I think, at least, at least in my small little fishbowl up here in Canada, you're seeing mental illness uh, at an all-time high. People are struggling. But then you end up having a backyard race where, you know, I I can tell you from being a backyard participant myself, um, it's not easy, Mm -hmm. as is life. And and what you do need to do is you need to hear the bell and answer the bell. And even though you don't want to, you got to get up Mm -hmm. and you got to stand in the starting corral. And when that hillbilly Rings his whistle, you or rings his bell. You have got to go, and then you have a task. And all you're really responsible for is to run that loop. That's it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And what once what was once easy is now very hard. And you've got to complete that loop, and then answer the bell again. And I think that that really speaks to life, Mm -hmm. Uh, going through a pandemic. Do you think that maybe as a storyteller, as a communications professional, do you see that maybe this is a very unique time? and an opportunity for really, you know, a lot of the backyard racers to present themselves as, rel- not racers, but you know, not presenting themselves as heroes, but maybe an opportunity for people to look upon backyard racing and saying, hey, if those guys, if the Courtney Walters and the Ohan Steens, Steens of the world can get up looking as terrible as they are, I can go to work tomorrow or, you know, I can raise my, my, my kids at this time.
2: Yeah, I, I do. I remember, you know, even last October and as, you know, the field and the, the Zoom, uh, we had 20 to start and the Zoom screens start to go out as the different countries had finished and you're starting to dwindle down the field and, and you're watching, um, you know, the mental toughness that is displayed by these athletes, you're like, if they can do that. And they haven't been sleeping and they you know in some cases yes some of them had been banking sleep every hour so everybody has their own strategy from that perspective but you just see it it's this okay yep i gotta go i gotta go and and i know personally in this last you know 15 16 months there have been waves we've all probably you know um felt it from time to time but there's just something about it's almost like this hope that it's okay You just got to do one more loop, right? In the backyard, it's just about one more loop. Okay, I can do this one more time, whatever that is, and pushing forward. And and you're going to start to see those stories come out. And that's why it's so amazing that people can watch it unfold. Because up until last year, they never would have seen it. They would have heard about it afterwards. They would have read race reports you know, from the athletes, and maybe some people had some team members there that were clicking off and doing some updates, but they wouldn't be able to see it in the same way that behind the scenes that agony that push, that that struggle that the athletes are going to go through. Maybe not the you know, that first 24 hours is kind of fun, right? Like it doesn't even really start to get good, probably till day two or day three, let's be honest, Mm -hmm. you know, and then you start to see it. But everybody's got their own struggles and they might be working through some really tough things every loop. Um, And so like us watching, uh, I think that that ignites a fire and it certainly fires me up and gets me excited to see what's going to unfold. Yeah, for sure.
0: The uh, Americans who are a little over probably, I don't know, 20 or 30 years old, there was a TV show we used to watch called ABC's World of Sports and Mm -hmm in the opening they would always say the human drama of athletic competition Mm. and you know there's there's a sort of a, a very deep sort of essence of this human drama that unfolds in this form of race that can't unfold in almost any other because it it does sort of get back to pretty much the basics right of you just got your sneakers and you got the person and you got nothing but that. Because there's, th- there's no finish line. It's like you can push harder. You just actually have to go through. And in this very deliberate way, we start to expose a lot in the people and in that drama. And I think as you'll story tell, I'm sure, you know, uh, some will drop out earlier than they want. Some will be there longer than they expect, and in it all of it a metaphor for everyone watching or listening, or even if they go to sleep and come back a day later to think about you know what are the implications for more broadly how we live our version of a mm-hmm. deliberate life with what Dave said, which is you know sometimes you just got to pull yourself up and get to that start line. Um, really good it's so true right it's like that
2: groundhog day like it just keeps happening and over and over and over again and I know because I've you know and you guys have had these uh, conversations with people in your in your life regular life you know you're out there and they're like yeah boy does it ever feel like groundhog day
1: Mm
0: -hmm.
2: it's like get up and go and do it over again but you know there there's there's always hope you're always trying to push them to go no we're we're, we're going to be able to get through this and it's through that support. And, and again, in a backyard race, like any other race for the ultra running, when you're doing the endurance, the crew and what is the crew telling the athlete and the piece that's there, like, cause they're seeing them come in. Right. And when they know, when they work together really well as a team, they know they've got these signs. It's like, there's body language that's telling a whole story. They don't even need to speak. To each other they just know and you've seen that demonstrated you know in any of the videos where you've watched courtney and her husband is you know her crew and they don't even talk sometimes when she's in transition you know you go back and you look at the stories being told at the utmb and you know they're just in there and and then she's gone and and it's not even always a, a great transition and she might be hurting but he, he knows and, and they know how to play off of each other to just get them ready to go and do one more loop, right? Mm-hmm. And that's what I think we're going to see. And what's interesting about this format, again, is it's great and it's going and it's going and then it can be done just like that. Mm-hmm. Like it can just be over. You didn't even anticipate it. And, and you're like, what? It, somebody dropped and that's it. The person's out on their last loop and then it's over.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And, and there was this buildup and build up and build up, And then you're like, well, now what do I do? like and that's how i felt last year it's like oh, okay it's congratulations like it's done and you don't even know like how do you wrap that mm-hmm. you know because we've just watched it unfold for like at that time you know when he, when when carl went out for his 75th loop and you're like okay now how are we going to you know bring this to head you don't want to ask the questions like how are you feeling you know, like, well, I'm guessing he's pretty tired, and I'm guessing, you know, he might be sore, and I'm guessing, you know what? And so it's all of that. Bad. It's such an intense buildup, mm-hmm. and then it's over. And even when I look back at last year with Courtney and Harvey, there was no signs to suggest when it was just the U.S. and Belgium now, right? Two countries going head to um, head because it was national championships, and then there would be one one champion. And you, there was no signs to suggest in any way, shape, or form that Harvey or Courtney were ready to give up, that either one of them were going to quit. And then I just remember I had, um, I was on uh, camera on the broadcast at that time, and I took a step away for a second, and then I looked at my phone, and somebody had said something on Twitter, and I went, "What's happening on Twitter? What? Where's Harvey?" And then. We start to see it happening and you're like, oh my gosh, I wasn't ready for that. And he was coming back in. And then that meant, you know, that particular country was now out and now it was up to Belgium to see how far they were going to go. And so Courtney, like you need that assist to keep going. You can't go any further. As soon as the assist or the, you know, the, the second place person it says, no, I'm out. Then there's only one more loop to be had. So even if whoever is at the end could go for another five loops or thinks that they could, they can't. The rules are set. They mm-hmm. cannot do it. And so it'll be, that's why it'll be so interesting to see what happens this year, because last year being that it was national championships, they weren't head to head. We did it as such that the countries, and then there was still now Belgium and how much further would they push? Knowing now that they were the last country standing. Mm-hmm. And then it was up to Marin and Carl, and, um, right? To see who was going to
1: decide. And Stephanie, speaking from experience, you know, I, I like I, I know very well that everybody looks great and then they disappear. And, you know, myself, when I was having my highs, I looked exactly the same as I was having my lows. Um, you, you don't show your hand um, mm-hmm. strategy, but also you, if you start looking bad, you feel you you start feeling you, you start thinking that you feel bad mm-hmm. and any the, the further you run, you know, the, the, the tighter that you know, the, the more narrow that tightrope gets. And so, yeah, it's, I betcha Harvey was in a world of hurt for the better part of a day prior to, to his departure. But, you know, it could also be one of those things, like we end up seeing in the UK with John Stalker winning at 81 hours. You know, I think they went on for 41 or 42 hours, mm-hmm. just the two of them. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it's, what's going to be neat about this year is that we're going to have cameras they're uh showing the faces of the crew and and i think that people are going to start to try to read all the runners of okay what are they doing how are they acting and it's going to be really 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 interesting well you know stephanie my question to you is is as a storyteller as the the host as the you know the voice you know and maybe you can't answer this right now because maybe it's going to evolve throughout the you know 40 Mm. 60 80 hours but you know are you going to start Telling more of a crew story, more of the family story. Um, are you tra- Are you going to try to get a lot of the athletes as they drop out? Do you, do you want them to come over and, and do an interview and and ask them really, ha- you know, really, how did it go? What 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 happened at the end?
2: I think those are all parts of the story that will unfold. Of course,
1: mm-hmm.
2: um, like I say, it moves so fast. Mm-hmm. Uh, recognizing the current you know, travel restrictions and all of the other, you know, protocols that Laz and Sandra have put into place to make sure that there's safety. Uh, We think about all of that we go all right well, what is what is it that we can produce to allow people to see the story and see it unfold safely. How can we do that we want to be respectful because I don't know, I only lasted five loops when I did a backyard. We call it the year of the mud. Um, So I would never make it probably. I'm gonna gas into the 50s, the 60s, the 70 hours. And so we're gonna also try to read like, is it the right time? We don't know what's gonna happen on any given loop. We don't know what the weather is going to be like. We don't know if somebody's gonna end up being injured. Um, A lot of things can happen that we can't predict but do we want to give a more um, behind the scenes? I think so. And I think that that's what we're gonna to try to deliver on as people really sit and tune in. What would be interesting, and I don't know, cause I'm not a, I'm not a big gambler here, but if there was a way to start placing bets in Vegas, mm-hmm. uh, you know, as this starts to unfold and I don't know how any of that works, but you start to see it, like you said, Dave, I mean, people watching, and starting to try to make predictions about where they think or how far somebody's going to be able to make it um, as an athlete that's you know going to compete there i believe everybody is probably going in with the same mindset like i'm there to win mm-hmm. I, i'm not there to be the assist i'm there to win yeah. i think it's you know
0: yeah and Dave, you know being one of the favorites will say in the race you know there's there's a bit of this, you're competing against two forces, yourself and and that other person who's going to keep going. And then you have that obligation thing of trying to keep going, even if you're not feeling good, because you want someone to keep going. And so it's slightly different than in almost any other kind of format, you know, in a hundred mile race, you know, or any other ultra, you still have a finish line. There is one, you just Mm -hmm. don't know when it is. And, um, and so, you know, I, I imagine what can happen, you know, because we always have these, like everyone says you get your second wind, your third wind, it's this metaphor of you get energy again. This is to you, Dave. Do you think that having this very deep field will get people pushing past what they would have otherwise because of that? Because they'll it'll almost like you'll be not doing great, but then enough time will have gone on and you'll get your... Your motivation back again? How do you feel about that?
1: Yeah, I, I think that there is no one who's coming to the race who doesn't think they're going to win, and I think that that's really unique. I mean, John Stalker. I mean, you look at his running resume, but yeah he's a world record holder at eighty-one hours. I mean, um, you take a look at at countless runners. Uh, well, a lot of the guys that we end up having on the on the podcast, um, you know, they. They're, they're relatively new to running but mm-hmm. yet they have this I will not quit I don't understand how to quit attitude and you know I think that at the beginning of a race like this if any one of the backyard racers or anybody who's competing there um, is listening just know that everybody knows that they're going to win um, and it's going to be a real surprise when you drop out and go oh my goodness I didn't get first place because really, honestly, everybody is putting themselves there in their in their heads, you know, at at this point. Um, But I think as well, too, it's it's a really unique opportunity to to race against the the world's best and to know that everyone is showing up. So you better show up, too. And so you're going to do all the right things early. You're going to pace it properly. You're going to get your sleep. You're going to eat. You're going to but you're also going to soak it in because you know, an opportunity like this might not come again, ever again in your life. And mm. so, no, to answer your question, Joe, I, I think that every, I could see, you know, even at the 72 hour mark, I could see six or eight runners still being, you know, involved in the race simply because of the gravity of this event. Mm, yeah. um, and I, I, I don't have any question that, that it's going to be a big field going really far and and you know even courtney dwalter was was um on the uh ritual podcast and she said you know sometimes when you end up having two or three runners going deep it just doesn't feel like a party it feels very unique but you end up having a lot of people there and it's like oh okay well you know we're still early days and it, it, it calms you it creates a lot of calm and I think that calm in, in a race like this is is, is really important. Well, what do you think, Steph? I mean, you've been talking a lot of the runners. Yeah, have you kind of got that sense as well too? Um, and, and Laz that, that, you know, this is gonna be going very, very, very deep and maybe transcending a, a new, you know, a new new ability with 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 human distance and endurance.
2: Yeah, I, I honestly remember Laz sharing. So he has wood that he cuts. Uh, leading up to the race you know so that he can have the fire going um, particularly at night you know people can stand around come to the fire do you know get warm and uh, he had suggested that he has wood for five nights and he's prepared to get (laughs) wood for the sixth night Um, you know uh, talking to John you know by the way when he got the world record you know, the new one just in June of this year. That was only the second time Mm -hmm. he had completed a backyard format race. He had, you know, no idea. He had participated last year in, in October, as you know, Um, But for the listeners that, you know, maybe are just hearing it for the first time, that was his first backyard format. And he went on to be the national champion at 42 hours, I believe. And then fast forward, you know, seven months later, and he's, you know, head to head, you're back to those, you know, um, in person races, and he's doing it. And he all he said is, I was just prepared to just keep going one more loop, like, and that to your point, Dave, is I think, where all of the athletes are right now. We're just over a week out, and um, it's it's crunch time. So the mental, you guys train. When they train, they train hard. They're training the nutrition. They're training the gut. They're training the mind, the sleep, all of the other things. And it's just like, okay, now it's crunch time. And as you start to look around after the hours pass and see who's around you, I think there's probably a lot of, and Dave can certainly speak to this. A lot of intimate moments that happen out on that course late at night um you know particularly as you start to dwindle down and people are getting tired and as you said joe you know you need the other person to keep going with you particularly when you're going after a world record right they know what's set and so to achieve beyond that there needs to be two and then after that it's anyone's game right but you need to get there first if you're going after the record
0: We'll certainly uh, learn a lot more about how the race unfolds with anyone who listens in. Um, I don't know. Let's pick a year. 25 years ago, people would have said, There's no way you could have a golf channel. Like, are you kidding me? 24 hours of golf. First of all, golf is as boring as the day is long. Like, who in heaven's name would watch golf? Like, I mean, I literally remember that. And then. Like the golf channel is like the central part of some people's lives right they just live for the golf channel yeah now i don't know if we'll have an ultra channel per se um in the same commercial way but i think that the youtube channel and the youtube videos i mean it's great to see the organic stuff happening um <clears throat> but it, you know golf i don't i don't know, i've never tried it what is it like four times maybe it's like 80 shots that they hit or less so it's not mm-hmm. even a lot, like, even if the time, it's not a lot of time yes. to see them doing. So here, it's not like you have to see the people for a lot of time, sure. necessarily. Um, but but it is part of what you're probably thinking about, right? It is that, okay, it's not that dissimilar. It's not a lot of motion in between. Yep. But boy, it can be really interesting. I mean, mm. I was glued to the Ryder Cup this year. Like, it yeah. was, so cool to watch mm-hmm. these guys play and boy did it was a different game right like just exciting yeah. format did that so i have to imagine you're ready for some of that huh
2: well yeah, i mean you think about it right how do you fill an hour mm. because you know and and what's cool is we know that at this caliber um you know 42 43 44 minutes okay they all start coming in they're going to be pacing as Dave suggested earlier so we know that there will be activity there will be this vibe happening you know with all the tents and the crew getting ready and doing all of that once they stand in the corral and Laz you know shakes the bell and they're off well then what well, well, you know, it's a live broadcast. Then, then what do you do? Um, and so that's where it's like, all right, what are the other parts of the stories that can be told? And you have to really think through that. Is there an opportunity to get in and talk to some of the crew? Listen, we talk a lot about Lazarus Lake, right? But Sandra, mm-hmm.
1: Sandra, his
2: wife, She's she is just, and she is just as critical in putting this race together you know, and, and they call it bigs, uh, like big dogs backyard ultra because their dog's name is big. And they also have a dog named little, and they have little backyard, um, that just happened and it was 34 hours. Mm -hmm. Um, and, you know, and they joke around and, um, people wait with beta breath to get Laz's, update on the Facebook page, you know, he, mm-hmm. he, he posts these very cryptic messages. And uh, so it's really cool now that they don't just have to see the, the Facebook post, they can actually see it unfold.
1: Mm-hmm. And
2: I can tell you that um, Laz hasn't probably been banking as much sleep as he would like. Um, but at the same time, he's told me and reminded me what we agreed upon a year ago. Um, I'm only allowed to sleep when Laz sleeps. And he sets his stopwatch for seven minutes um, for every hour. Um, so it should be interesting. There's going to be a lot of different pieces that I think the broadcast team will try to um, showcase. And it's an it's an ultra marathon in and of itself for the broadcast team. You yeah, know, so To see it, well, how we're so. gonna <laughs> see how we're gonna what we're gonna yeah. look like in day two or day three or day four. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean like, okay. So, so when I get there, I'm going to have, you know, a lawn chair and I'm going to have a cooler full of, and I'm going to have enough food for 120 hours. Um, and it's going to be a pile a mound of food and drink and all those things, you know, what's your aid station going to look like? Like, are you going to be, you know, scrounging for food? Or are you going to be bringing prepackaged meals? Or are you going to be you know, like what are are you gonna be you know drinking coffee 24-7? Like what what, what I'm what,
2: pretty sure there's gonna be some kind of either a natural supplement or yeah. full-on jet fuel um to keep me awake. The first 24 hours, what I found last year flew by because that excitement, it was just so high and the energy and and obviously I wasn't in Bellbuckle Buckle uh, last year, this is my first trip there, so I think I'll be pretty high on the energy like most people there, including the crew, but also, as you said before, needing to pace, like I will need to pace the energy, Um, I, people have probably picked up on it already when I get excited. I can talk quicker. That's just naturally um, how, how I speak. And I always have to remind myself, okay, here we go. Slow down. It's okay. And it's okay, you know, from a broadcast side of things to let there be just space. You don't you need to rush to fill it with words sometimes just that silence of letting people watch what is happening and come to their own conclusions or you're seeing an emotional finish for someone who you know unfortunately had to make the decision that you know they could not continue you you don't want to disturb that i I want that to be very sacred for people who have been watching and for to respect again the athlete Mm -hmm. and and you know that would not be the right time to say oh hey do you want to come and them in front of even more people and so you have to be really sensitive and be able to gauge it. So I have to pace myself, I have to watch the things that are unfolding and and thank goodness you know we're being led by, by Fabien Deflo, who is a brilliant filmmaker from, from France. Him and his team uh, are coming in and so I know that I'll be in good hands. Uh, might be some scrounging. There might be some scrounging for some snacks. Um, so you know, I might hit some crew up from time to time to see what right. energy bars they might be able to get rid of. But yeah, hydrating and all of the things that I would normally do if I was going to race—it's just a different type of race.
0: Yeah, I think that um, there's a lot of complexity and simplicity at the same time in in what's going to unfold for all who participate Mm in, you know, I'll be there crowing. uh, So I'm sure we can uh, find a few things to uh, keep you hydrated and fed if necessary, (laughs) as you move along, Um, but you know- thank you in advance,
2: Joe. I thank you in advance. (laughs) Yeah,
0: absolutely. Uh, Having done this and knowing how crews help, I'm, you know, certainly ready to pay back um, Mm -hmm. for all the people who have helped me. And then, you know, and then there's this, we want it to have its sort of the pureness and the simplicity of it at the same time of, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, of what's going to unfold, because it is still back to just running this loop around and around and, and seeing how that, you know, there should be this, like, uh, you know, cacophony on one side and this peace and solitude on the other. So I think there'll be a good and interesting balance, especially as it as it goes along. Um, you know, so when you think about um, sport, you know, one of the things we're always pushed to is who are the favorites. Mm. You know, who who do we think are the top potential? Contenders? You're not asking
2: me that question now, though, Joe. <laughs> you would never do that to <laughs> me. <laughs>
0: But just putting it out there, I mean, of course, I'm a little bit partial to Dave, uh, but it is interesting to think about because you have some people who are particularly, you know, good at this. They've won yeah. or or just good generally, but of then course. the piece that's this unknown is, you know, like John Stocker went 81 yards or loops or whatever we call them anymore, uh, no one expects
2: interchangeable as as far as I know loops yeah. and yards are just loops and yards. Yeah.
0: And, and, and that's the other part right like if you I don't know like even a hard race like the Olympic marathon, you know, no one outside the top 15 is going to win. Just it's not mm-hmm. going to happen, you know, they're, mm-hmm. they're just it's at a level of competition that you know it's going to be in the top few here. This is a little different and we've seen this happened. So yeah, no, I'm not asking you to predict, but I do think it's sort of one of the other interesting parts, which is you don't know who's going to emerge. Mm-hmm.
2: Absolutely. And, and to Dave's point, who, you know, you said it before, Dave, and I just want to make sure that we reinforce it. It's such an important part of this. Everybody who's earned a spot mm-hmm. to go to Bell Buckle, it, that was not by chance. That was not fluke they've all earned their spot. 75 of them were handed out, you know, um, some came from the at-large, you know, or the the next on the list. Um, but everybody is showing up there thinking they're going to win. And I don't think you can discount anyone, in particular, in this type of a format. And that's why it's so unique.
1: Yeah, and I think too, like, you know, everybody's got a different fuel. Um, you know, I got thinking about it the other day that, because of course, this is all I think about these days, is that, you know, there are all these golden ticket winners. Mm -hmm. You know, um, there's the John Stalkers of the world Mm -hmm. who end up winning with 81. Mm -hmm. But what about Matthew, who lost at 80? I I bet you Matthew is going to have a bit of a bigger fire than John, because he lost, and he hasn't won yet. John won. But Matt Matthew didn't. And mm-hmm. so there's a lot of, I don't want to call them losers, but there's a lot of people who didn't win. Um, and there's a lot, it, it's, it's a very interesting field. You know, Michael Wardian is probably one of the strongest runners there. If he has a really good day, he just can't, he, he can't be beat. Um, he doesn't stop because he's so talented and so skilled. Mm and so you know i think that having the 75 runners there um you know you're going to have at least a dozen of them that have the very best races of their lives and then you know to kind of see see that play out and so maybe that's a storyline too Steph, is is you know the, the you know all the losers we might be seeing them win um mm-hmm. it's it's i think
2: there's going to be a lot of pbs that happen
1: yeah yeah. Right?
2: Because we know this. If, if everybody's going after this next title, let's just say, right? Yeah. Well, everybody but one needs to try to get there because he already owns that, right? So it's like, okay, now where? And, and how far did, you know, um, place? You know, I actually don't even know the answer to this and I'll certainly know it before the broadcast starts. But the least amount of loops out of the 75 Dave do you know the answer to
1: that I think it's like I don't 20, 29 or something is it? Th-
2: I was going to say yeah. it was 32 but um yeah it was right but I around thought it was there. in the 30s okay yeah. so you think about any of that now they're shoulder to shoulder head to head mm-hmm. with the people who have gone into the 50s into the 60s into the 70s they're going to be pushed Because they they couldn't have been pushed any more than the 29 or the 30, because that was their last loop, and that's why again it's so interesting. Who knows that person could have gone to 40, perhaps on a good day, right? It's Mm -hmm. it's so unpredictable, and that's why again that intensity builds, the drama builds, the stories unfold in the tents and around the fire. Um, There's going to be so many storytelling um, opportunities. I'm I'm not even going to. Yeah, I don't know where to start and, and yeah. how it's going to end is going to be the big
0: one. You know, it's interesting, um, completely different setting, but this past weekend was this uh, bike race in Europe called the Pariru Bay um, mm. one day bike race. Hardest, arguably, one day bike race there is. They ride over 250 miles, 50 of it, uh, kilometers, um, 50 or 80 are on cobblestones. Mm. This year it was raining. Um, they were so muddy that you couldn't see their faces when they were done. And three of the guys finished within two centimeters of each other.
1: Hmm. What? It
0: was a it was it was a win that could barely be determined after all of that. And you know, I was thinking of at that level, you know, that they all put everything that they had into it. And I think it's the same here, even though. It's sort of like you have that one more loop. It is the same kind of thing. All your noses know sort of end right at mm-hmm. the same time. You just get a little bit of a victory lap here, right? That's what happens. That yes. last four miles is a victory lap for you, mm-hmm. unless you fall on your face and don't finish it. But mm-hmm. uh, but it's amazing what what. Well, happened. and John fell. <laughs> yeah, he, did. he had to get he back fall. up. That's true, he told us that in on our, our, our podcast. But mm-hmm. but the interesting part is when you start to put this kind of level of talent together with this motivation that all of that distance gets resolved in that last moment and Mm -hmm. um i don't know dave i think uh as we sort of wrap this up a little bit you know that's part of what you get to think about right is that Mm -hmm. it all is just the lead up for that last
1: yeah a little bit right yeah the last 50 the last 70 the last 90 hours doesn't matter no you know all that matters is that loop and all the other runners that are running with you at that time and what you're going to need to do to get out on the next one and that's that's that yeah it's uh fascinating you know the uh, fact that you could start on Saturday and it's Thursday or you know like that's that's pretty unique
0: yeah what our Um, uh, for our listeners our plan currently we'll try and hold to this is Dave and I will both be in uh, Bell Buckle next Friday, mm-hmm. uh, the day before the race starts, and we're going to record our podcast that morning, mm-hmm. and we'll broadcast that as fast as we can get it out on the wire, so you'll get to hear from Dave. We'll keep it short, but we mm-hmm. will get to hear from Dave how he's feeling leading right up to it, so we'll walk in with a live uh, interview. We'll, of course, talk to him post-race, whenever that ends up being. Mm-hmm. um but stephanie you know really appreciate uh you uh using some of your voice that you're going to need all of coming up soon <laughs> here mm-hmm.
2: oh it was so fun it, it's getting me excited it's really getting me excited
0: we would be remiss though if we didn't end the same way that we end for all of our guests you know when we started the podcast as you know uh, and we needed chasing tomorrow it's sort of you know dave and my sort of theme for life is we tell people come chase tomorrow with us Mm-hmm. You know, so tell us what you're chasing tomorrow is.
2: <laughs> my chasing tomorrow. You know, I, I always like to think that I can be better tomorrow. And that could be a better mom, right? A better partner, a better storyteller. So I always want to just know that I've given it all. So when I can lay my head down on the pillow, I am still chasing, but I'm satisfied for the day.
0: All right. I well, with that. that, we thank you for your time, and we'll thank you in advance for your commentary. And uh, Dave, get some rest, mm-hmm. eating all of those pies and filling yourself up so you can uh, get around those loops.
1: You bet. Thanks so much, Stephanie. You're you're a real gift, and we'll we'll see you next week.
2: Absolutely. Thank you so much, gentlemen. A pleasure.
1: Thanks. Well, Dave, I think Stephanie might have a harder job at
0: bigs broadcasting for the entire race. At least you're going to get to run. All she gets to do is sit and talk. Maybe she'll even lose her voice. Who knows? I think I'm going to see what I could do to help her during the races. I think she might need a crew just as much as you will. Well, here we are. One week to go. I really hope that all the runners are ready for this upcoming amazing event in Bell Buckle, Tennessee um, in the World Championships of Backyard. It's just going to be amazing. I can tell you it's going to be epic for sure. Okay, well, there you have it. That's a wrap for this week. As always, a big shout out to our sponsor, Performance tea. You can find them on www.performancetea.com, and they've given us a discount code for any of our listeners to get 20% off their purchase. Just use Chasing20 at checkout. And we'd greatly appreciate it if you could follow us on Instagram and give us a review on Apple Podcasts. That would be awesome. As always, a huge thanks to our listeners for coming with us on this journey and chasing tomorrow with us. Thanks very much.